Hey, y'all, I'm going to take a second to give a quick shout out to the official mortgage lender of the Hunt Lift Eat podcast. That's Casey Burns of Prime Lending Mortgage. I've known Casey for 10 years and he's the only lender I use. I've used Casey to purchase two houses and the process has been seamless and easy each time. He's the heart of an educator and he truly cares about what's best for his clients. He specializes in VA loans, but can handle FHA, conventional investment loans as well. He's a true expert and specialist in his field, and there's no one I recommend more than Casey. You can contact Casey at casey.burns at primelending.com. Reach him by phone at 919-710-1864. You can also check out all his reviews at www.closewithcasey.com. Thanks, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hunt, Lift, Eat podcast. Today, we are bringing you Women in the Wild, part two. We have some questions and some stories we're going to tell you guys um, about. So, yeah, I have Sarah, Courtney, and April with me today. Sarah, how are you doing? Great. Pretty tired, but I'm here at my home state, so I'm good. Yeah, Sarah, you had an interesting night, huh? You were in Denver not that long ago down here with me. (laughs) Yeah, I was in Denver like less than 12 hours ago and D.C. before that with two little kids and lightning storms and canceled flights. So it was awesome. Well, we're glad that you finally made it back to Alaska. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I actually have April in in house, literally in my house with me um, today, April Hi. <laughs> so April is one of um, our newer team members. She came on with this last expansion that we did. Um, so a lot of people probably don't know April. Do you want to give everybody a little bit of your background? Sure. <laughs> um, so I'm actually from, I'm originally from Southern New Mexico. I've been here in Colorado for um, about 10 years It was 10 years in May. Um, I actually found HLE through uh, my nephew. He shared some stuff um, from the Instagram page. And then I just kind of got to looking into it. I was like, oh, my gosh, these are are my people. These are my people (laughs) that I've been looking for here in the city. You know, they're interested in the outdoors and hunting and lifting and nutrition and, you know, all of that stuff. So, right. And then um, we found out you were right down the road from us. Yeah. I was, I was going to place an order and I was like, Oh, they're like here, here. So that was when I reached out to Caroline to see if we could just, I was like, can I just pick up my order? Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, chatted for a long time. And I was like, Oh, I finally found some people. (laughs) So you grew up hunting. Yes. Um, my, yeah, I'm from a very large family. Um, one of the only girls for a long time. I have brothers. Uh, my mom is, she's got four brothers. And it was always just kind of tagging along with, with all the boys. Right. All the time. I feel that. Since I was a little kid. Um, so just always growing up in the outdoors and yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And then we have Courtney with us too, who's been on the team for a while. Um, But Courtney, is this your first podcast with us? It is. Yeah. Um, Yeah. First podcast with you guys. I started off with the original expansion, kind of one of those quiet people who take a while to get used to people. And then I start talking to everybody. So, you know, it's good to be here. (laughs) We're glad to have you here. Do you want to tell everybody a little bit about your upbringing, how you got involved with HLE? Um, Sure. I'm 
born, raised, still live in St. Louis, Missouri. So we've got quite a few hunters around here. Not too many of them in my family. I didn't start hunting till I was 16 or 17. Um, not entirely sure how I convinced my dad to take me out with him, but somehow I did. Um, I found HLE on Instagram. I was just flipping through some stuff and realized, you know, was looking at the clothing part of the company and I actually almost didn't submit the application to join the team. I was kind of having a moment of, oh, is this going to be another boys club? You know, they're going to be a bunch of guys that know so much more than I do, you know, all this stuff. And then kind of saw that Caroline was involved and Ashley and I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe I can just put it in and see what happens. And now I'm here. So. Awesome. Um, yeah. So we did one episode. Oh, well, Sarah, I guess you can tell how you got involved too. If you want. <laughs> um, so I got involved with HLE because I think I, I first saw things on Instagram and I'm sure it's because my Instagram handle is, hunt fish lift Alaska. So it was like, Hey, here's this other page that has half of your tag name in it. Um, and so I started following you guys on Instagram, then ordered some clothes and then got a notice that you were opening up to team team applications. Um, and when I was reading through your mission and vision that really spoke to me, especially the mental health component and, and wanting to get people more involved in the outdoors and with an active lifestyle and subsistence hunting and eating and that kind of thing. And so, um, so I applied and was pretty outspoken and how, how much the mental health component was important to me. Cause I know that lifting and being in the outdoors has really been critical to maintaining solid mental health for me over the years. So that was how I got involved. <laughs> yeah. And I guess I can explain too. I don't, I guess some people might not know who I am. Also, I'm Caroline Cox. Um, my husband is the guy that dreamed up all of this. Um, so I kind of got dragged into HLE, <laughs> um, <laughs> kicking and screaming too. This was not a I was not very supportive in the beginning. Um, so it's kind of been a journey for me to like fall in love with this company and the people that are involved with it. Um, because like I said, you know, when, when Luke brought this idea to me, I told him he was crazy and a, a lot of people did. Luke is a dreamer. So this was not the first like big idea that Luke has had. Okay. Like, so when he started like, you know, hashtagging on Instagram and trying to post every day and like recording our hunts. I was like, I'm, we're not doing this. Like, <laughs> this is not a thing. Um, but since then I, you know, the company has grown and, um, I've been very involved for a long time. I run all of our inventory and shipment and design and all of that kind of stuff. Um, Carter keeps keeps pushing this women's podcast on me, so I might be doing that uh, here pretty soon too. More and more, we'll see. But yeah, so that is how we. Uh, that was one of our questions: was how did you guys get involved with HLE? So that kind of answered that. Um, I guess we can just kind of dive into the questions that we got from people. Um, the first question we got is about a girl. Um, she's in her late twenties. She's one hundred and fifteen pounds. And she wants to get her draw weight up to 50 pounds um, on a bow. 
So that is, that's a lot of weight to be able to pull back. And they are asking for tips on how to get there. Can anybody offer tips to her? Courtney, take the lead. Um, I currently do pull 50 pounds on my bow. I actually had to buy a new bow this year because my other one only went up to 40. So I did have to buy a new bow this year to get up to the 50 pounds. Um, the only real tips I can give on that is just getting into the gym and really working your back. Cause I use my back a lot when I'm pulling my bow back. Um, I'm not the biggest in the gym. Obviously I don't really compete or anything like that. I don't have a trainer that I actually work with. Um, but don't be afraid to get into the weights is the best thing that I can say say for anybody who's trying to work on their bow and their draw line, their draw weight. Um, Cause I don't think I would be able to pull anywhere near what I was doing if I didn't do that. And I guess the only other real thing I can do is I can say is if you don't work with a bow shop already, talk to them about what they think you need to do. It may be a matter of working on your draw length or changing out your release. I use a wrist um, release. So I use literally my entire wrist to pull back on my bow um, rather than using just like a uh, thumb release. I haven't figured out how to use those yet. Um, but it's really just a lot of practice, honestly. I don't know if there's anything specific I really did to get up to 50 pounds other than going to the gym. Um, I can't really say for anyone who's on the smaller side because I haven't been 115 pounds since high school and that's been a while. Um, so <laughs> I'm not quite sure how that would work with someone that's a little smaller. Um, and I don't really have anyone around here that is that size that I've worked with before. Um, I think there's a couple girls up in Oregon that I've met that are on the smaller side that also pull 50 to 60 pounds. How they do it, I haven't figured that out either. Um, but yeah, it's just a lot of work to get into the gym, work your back. Um, lat pull downs are awesome. Rows are awesome for that. Um, and then just a lot of practice. Even if you just go, even if you don't have an arrow on there and you're just pulling back just to see how long you can hold it, that will give you a little bit more stability with pulling that back and try to get that number up. I would, I would echo practice, practice, practice. I haven't done much bow shooting. I don't own a bow yet. My goal is to get into archery hunting, um, which may lead to a subsequent question, but, um, but I really want to get into archery. I have a crazy back. I've broken numerous vertebrae over the years and I have severe scoliosis and hyperlordosis. So I've had to do a lot of back exercises in order to avoid um, massive back surgery in my life. And I have turned what was my weakness into a strength. And so um, I have a pretty strong back. And But I would just say that when with shooting bow, back is an obvious one. It's um, obviously you're going to use your back muscles. I'd completely echo what Courtney said about pull downs and rows, all different kinds of rows. Um, but nothing is going to be exactly the same as actually drawing <clears throat> the actual movement of drawing. Um, there are lots of complementary exercises you can do. 
but I would also encourage you to do other things that strengthen your core 360 degrees away around, not just like your abs, but uh, your obliques and um, and your lower back because you use so much core as well, not just your back in order to you know keep yourself stable. And forearms too. Forearms are something that tend to get overlooked and also get tired really easily. Um, and so I actually incorporate forearm specific exercises into my routines. I'm a gym rat and love working out, um, which I know can be intimidating for a lot of women. And so if, uh, if whomever asks the question, it doesn't already have some sort of a gym routine. Um, I would highly encourage her to do that. And she could certainly reach out to us individually. And we'd love to recommend some specific exercises for her and, you know, give her some, we could find YouTube videos to show her how to do those exercises if she doesn't know how to do them. Um, but to not be intimidated by the gym, because like Courtney said, you got to build that strength somehow. And that's going to be through uh, repetition and lifting heavy weights. Yeah, there's specific workout equipment for shooting a bow. To me, it seems a little gimmicky because it's like a plastic bow with a band, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can get bands and do that kind of band work that mimics, you know, that like row, drawing the bow back. Um, And I have heard a ton of success stories with things like that, too, going up on the bait, uh, the weight of the band when pulling that kind of exercise. Um, But yeah, no, I need tips here, too. So if anybody out there has tips for us on this, um, I think this is something that we could all benefit from. Send those tips over to us and we can talk about that in a future episode. Um, Anthony probably has some good tips for us with this. Mm-hmm. Ebony, um, I was just gonna piggyback off of what Sarah said. You know, with um, like hitting those muscles that that seem less obvious. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I mean, I just went, I don't know, a few weeks ago to see, you know, to test my draw length and my weight and stuff, and you know, just pulling back and practicing. I got up to fifty, and I was like, okay, that's probably. But I lift a lot. Like I'm. Mm-hmm in the gym five days a week and I lift a shitload of weight. (laughs) So I was actually, I was like, Oh, look at me go. I had no idea that that was what it was, but I've had, um, I've had shoulder surgeries on, on both. And that was one thing that I, when I felt a pinch, it was in my shoulders Mm -hmm. and, you know, and I was really kind of, um, you know, I was really focused on my back and all of these other things. And then, um, you know, once the weight started getting higher and I pulled back, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I haven't felt that in a while. And so, um, yeah, just to kind of piggyback off of what she said is paying attention to those other muscle groups that probably seem less obvious and, and working on those in the gym. And I mean, that's the best way you can kind of support a lot. I mean, and this goes into not necessarily just you know, shooting a bow, but just mm-hmm. everything that you have to do in the outdoors, you have to do, you have to put in the work in the off season too, you know? Absolutely. So some of the movements that I have found that have provided me the greatest strength gains have been things like farmer carries and different kinds of farmer carries. Farmer carries would be extremely valuable, I believe for um, increasing your draw weight, just regular farmer carries where 
you know, you're carrying weight, uh, kettlebells or dumbbells or whatever next to your sides, and then just walking controlled, um, really engaging your core really hard. And then I also love overhead farmer carries or overhead farmer carries like a bottoms up kettlebell. Yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And for those listeners who don't, like where you take a kettlebell and you have the weight up above your hands instead of below your hands. So you're holding them upside down and then holding those up above your head, your arms like straight up above your head. That'll roast your shoulders, but strengthen your shoulders. But it also works your lats and your core really well too. And so to speak to you know what April was saying about her shoulders, um, shoulder strengthening is going to be critical too. I just... I, I want to echo what Courtney said about working with um, working with a shop, going in there, making sure that your form is good, that your shooting form is good, your draw form is good, and making sure that you're maintaining form as you're increasing your draw weight. That is going to be critical. Um, so anyway, that's what I got. <laughs> All right, moving on. Um, let's switch gears and do a different kind of question. Um Dream hunt. That was a question that we got. What is your dream hunt? (laughs) Sarah. God, I have so many. (laughs) Um, My husband and I had, we're supposed to do a archery elk hunt down in New Mexico. And that was supposed to take place in 2020. We had bid on that hunt during an Alaska Wild Sheep Foundation banquet and won that back in 2019 or I don't know. Yeah, 2019. And so that ended up not coming to fruition and there was kind of a big fallout with that whole thing. But um, that is still on my bucket list. I want I've never hunted elk before. I've never hunted with bow before. No, there's somebody else on this podcast right now who I might want to talk to a little bit. Um, But that's definitely a dream hunt. Um, I have been sheep hunting and have not harvested a sheep. I'm still in the less than one club. I want to get out, get kicked out of the less than one club. Um, those are, those are really my big ones are for right now are, I want to do an archery elk hunt and I want to harvest a sheep. What you got, Courtney? Okay. So I've only ever hunted whitetail. In the Midwest, um, here in Missouri, we only just now got black bear, which is, I think, a total of 30 black bears for the entire state. I think we have maybe five elk tags for the entire state. So literally all I've ever done is whitetail at this point. So dream hunts, there's quite a few of those. Um, Elk hunting, archery elk hunting would be amazing. But really, I really want to get up to Alaska and either do a black bear hunt or like a caribou hunt. I just though going up to Alaska has been like a dream for years and obviously I just haven't been able to do it. So that I haven't wrapped my head around the idea of like hunting moose yet. That's just like a whole nother like weight class for me. Um, so eventually that'll be on there. Um, but yeah, I think elk down in New Mexico or, um, like a black bear up in Alaska would be my top ones right now. Sounds like we're planning some hunts together soon. Yes. <laughs> April, where do you want to, where, where do you want to go? You know, I, since I was a little kid, since I saw my first moose when I was like itty bitty in Wyoming um, and just 
as I got older, I was like, that'd be badass to shoot a moose. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I, I don't know that I would call it like a dream hunt. I don't know that I've ever actually like thought of that. Like, what is a dream hunt? Because um, there's all kinds of things, you know. Yeah. And you want to put all kinds of stuff down. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think yeah. a moose would be pretty badass. Yeah, that's, I'm kind of the same way. I don't have a dream hunt necessarily. Mine's more of a scenario um, and it's totally lame and cheesy, but like Luke and I both enjoy hunting. And so being able to like take our son hunting, like the three of us together is kind of my like dream hunt. I don't care what we're hunting. I don't care where we are, but like just like watching our son be able to harvest an animal after growing up watching, you know, us do it, that that's my dream hunt. So I'm, sure. I'm totally going to echo that hundred percent. I, my, when I shot my first moose with my dad, he cried and I was just like, what the hell is wrong with you? And now that I have kids, that's, that's my dream in the future is to see my kids harvest their own. I think baby. it's just something about like, sharing something you love with somebody that you love because the same thing it's very different dynamic but the same thing happened with me and Luke when I got my first deer was like he was so excited and just like how do you feel how do you feel how do you feel I was like I'm fine how do you feel like <laughs> calm down you know like he was more excited than I was and it was because like he knew that I was hooked. you know like yeah. he knew I was now in love with this thing that he's in love with and so I think sharing that with the people you love is really cool. So yeah, that's my dream. My dad, my dad did on. the same thing. He, when I got my first deer, he was all excited and everything. Cause it, it took me a few years to get one. Uh, I won't lie about that. I didn't start off as the best hunter, still not the best hunter, but it took me a few years. And then when I did get my first one, he was so excited and so, you know, so like, um, so shaky about it. He was so like bouncing around about it. I'm just like, you need to calm down. You've got bad knees and bad children. I don't need you falling down this hill and <laughs> me trying to drag you out. Um, but now I don't have kids. My sister has five. Um, so I just kind of play, I play the wine aunt. I'll spoil them and do all that. And they're finally starting to get old enough. I think my oldest nephew is seven now. So they're finally starting to get old enough to where they're starting to get a little bit more curious about the outdoors and, my sister eventually plans on moving to the country so they can do all that. And uh, my oldest nephew has gone out once now this year with his dad archery hunting. And he was so excited in his camo and all this and, you know, full on head to toe camo. And I'm like, it's 90 degrees outside. That kid is going to roast, but he's so excited and I'm so excited for him. And like, I just, I can't wait till he gets to the point where he can actually go out and start hunting himself. It's going to be so fun. Yeah, speaking of hunting with kids, one of the questions that we got was, how has your life changed um, as a woman in the outdoors after having kids? So, Courtney, obviously, you just said you don't have kids, but, um, you know, I'm sure you've been outdoors with your nieces and nephews, so you're more than welcome to share on that as well. Um, I think even just as you get older as a woman trying to go outdoors, it's going to be a little bit different. Even if you have kids or you don't, obviously you just become a little more self-aware of everything and you just kind of have to adjust a little bit. The few times I have been out in the outdoors with my nieces and nephews, there's five of them. 
and thankfully we have enough adults to like each grab a kid <laughs> and like wander around with them. My mom stays with the younger ones that aren't quite allowed in the woods yet. My older nephew goes off with his dad. My sister will grab one of the younger ones and then I grab whoever's left and we just each take a kid and follow them around. <laughs> but they're all so curious about everything. And it's really, really cool, honestly, to shift from that um, that idea of being the youngest one in the woods to actually not being the one and, and having to like kind of mentor them, even though they are still really young. It's just kind of really cool to actually get to pass all that on and get to start showing them stuff and explaining things to them. I mean, they get so excited when I send them pictures while I'm in the stand. They sent them a picture of this turtle that was following me around the other day. They all got so excited, and I'm like, it's just a turtle, guys, but I'm, I'm really happy that you're happy about it. Um, so yeah, I, th I think it's going to shift. I mean, I think that's the biggest shift, is going from being the mentee to the mentor kind of an idea. It's really cool, even though they're not my kids. And then I just get to send them all home dirty and exhausted and excited to their parents. <laughs> but it, I don't know. It's You become more aware of everything that they're doing. And more aware of what you're doing like i'll okay i'm not physically fit enough to climb a mountain i'll do it out of sheer stubbornness but i can't take them up there with me <laughs> like i normally would so you have to kind of take a step back and be like okay can't quite do that until they're older so maybe we'll just go do this real quick so i kind of have to shift that around a little bit and shift that mentality but yeah that's exactly what changed for me um when I had Barrett was my comfortability level with him. Right. So mm. I do, I do climb mountains. That's, <laughs> that's my hobby. Uh, big mountains. <laughs> you don't have mountains um, in Missouri. <laughs> and, um, but you know, obviously right after I had Barrett, I wasn't comfortable hopping on a 14er and climbing up now. I actually did just do a 14er with Barrett. So um, it's kind of been a gradual thing for me. Um, when I first had him, I was not comfortable being outside really at, at all. Like the front porch was good for me. Um, <laughs> and then I became more comfortable, you know, walking around my neighborhood alone with him and then going on short hikes with him and kind of just introducing him to outside. Um, I think it's very important that, we acknowledge that everybody's comfort level with children is different and everybody's comfort level outdoors is different. So while I feel comfortable hiking a 14er and, you know, getting up to that elevation and doing those things with my son is because we have kind of, um, trained for that. Like, you know, he, he lives at high elevation. He's used to that. Um, so, other kids, yeah, other kids might struggle with elevation change, um, temperature changes. That's kind of stuff you have to learn and become comfortable with. I have not taken Barrett hunting. I mean, he's a year old. Like, you know, I mean, he he's going to be very noisy and very clunky. But we have had him at deer camp. And we have had him around the animals and around... Um, the guys. I mean, I have a picture of Luke last year. So Barrett was two months old. I have a, a picture of him and Luke at deer camp with their camo on and Luke's got <laughs> his like face paint. It's adorable. <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, I mean, my life has changed, but I think it only changes as much as you let it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, you guys have older kids. What do you? Um, so mine are, my girls are 10 and 12. And that's another thing is I have two girls too. Um, so like thinking back, I mean, I was hunting when I was pregnant with her. I was in my first trimester. And I mean, that sucks. <laughs> it is not fun. Um, but before that, you know, you just, you get up early and you, you know, you're out camping, you're, you know, having beers with the guys and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, you know, it's like all kinds of fun. And then, and then you have sudden, kids and it ruins everything. And then, <laughs> right? And then you have kids and it's like, okay, you have to plan ahead a little bit more. And, you know, when I was, you know, back home, all of our family, like everybody was involved. So it was like a group effort, you know, um, you know, we would go, we'd be camping and my mom, you know, she stayed back with, with Millie when she was a baby, you know, and I couldn't just right. pack her around or like you said, you know, she's going to be loud and noisy. And right. Stuff. Um, but then as even then as my second one came along, you know, we, now that we're in Colorado, we have nobody here. Right. And so that for me is where it has shifted because all of a sudden where I was used to being the only girl that got to tag along and go do all of these things. Well, now it's like, there's nobody around to watch the kids. And so I was like, well, I guess that's, I guess mom. I'll take care of my kids. <laughs> I, I guess that's my job. And, you know, then it sort of like, and it sort of happened without me even realizing it. There was like this shift where all of a sudden it became, my husband was going out, you know, on these week long hunting trips with the guys and I was staying home with the kids. And I was like, well, what the hell? Like this was not part of the plan. Right. I, and I don't know what my plan was with kids. And I, I just, I hadn't thought that far ahead. <laughs> um, and but it this was wasn't it. Like, <laughs> right. This isn't it. Yeah. Like it wasn't like, I wasn't planning on being the mom that stayed home with the babies while he got to go hunt and he was like, well, you can go. I was like, well, and do what? Put one on the front and one on the back and like take off. Yeah. It's like logistically um, that doesn't work. <laughs> but I will. Right. But I will say that now <laughs> as they've gotten even older, um, it's, it's gotten easier. It's got, you know, because I can take them out and even, you know, taking them out is, as babies or, you know, when they were smaller, it was, you know, hunting during the day, doing like road hunting, you know, but here in Colorado, as you know, there's like people everywhere. It is not like hunting is completely different than it was, you know, back home where you may come across a few, but it's not like going to town, like out in the woods here. <laughs> and so, Anyway, um, now that they've gotten older and they can, they can walk a lot further and they can hang out and they can, they know to be quiet and they know they're learning. And so it is getting a little bit easier, but also, you know, for me, I'm okay with leaving them at home and seeking out opportunities as 
you know, as a woman and as a mom to go find other women and go find other moms or kind of go like venture off and do things on my own without my husband or without the kids. You know, it's it's just evolved in ways that you don't really um, you don't really expect, but you just sort of got to roll with it and do what you can. Yeah, and because you you lose yourself if you don't. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. And and also having two girls, and you know, one's in middle school, one's going to be going into middle school, and sort of setting that example for them, like, okay, you don't, you, maybe you don't get to, you're not going to have a boyfriend for a very long time, <laughs> um, but maybe dad can always take you. Right. Or there's, you know, it's not like the way I was at home where I had uncles and brothers and all kinds of people to to go with, it's a little different here. And so setting that example for them too, as young girls, like you got to get out there and do it yourself. You, right. You know, these opportunities aren't going to just, they're not going to come find you. So um, yeah, being a mom and how it evolves and, you know, staying true to yourself and what you like to do and that sort of thing is, it definitely, it's, you're constantly adapting put it that way. I'm really glad that you pointed that out because I feel like I I am kind of at a crossroads with that right now because, you know, as a newborn mom, your baby is dependent on you. You have to be there. And then it is easy to, like, I mean, Luke was elk hunting when Barrett was weeks old, you know, and obviously I could not, my body was not in the place yeah. to, and my baby needed me. He was a newborn. And then... You know, I got, I was at home during deer camp that year because I had a baby that was a couple months old and then my husband deployed. And so I have not been away from this child <laughs> in a year. Like there, I have never been away from him for more than a few hours. And like you said, you kind of wake up one day and you're like, I had hobbies. Like I had things that I enjoyed doing. And so it's either you figure out a way to take the kid with you to do those things or you lose them. Yeah. And I just was not willing to lose that part of me. So I have figured out ways to take him with me um, on some things. Like I said, he's never been hunting. Um, but boy, is Luke in for an awesome time when he gets home. Because <laughs> mama is going hunting and hunting and doing all of the things. And he's going to stay home. Yeah. Um, no, Sarah, I think you're probably the expert in getting your children outside and hunting and all of that. So why don't you share your, your story about how your life changed after becoming a mom? I would say that a lot of what I felt like April was talking about me when she was talking, um, because, you know, pre-kids, we did not just hunting, but also fishing the way that we hunted and fished have changed since having kids. Um, Pre-kids, we would do these things called suicide runs um, in June, where after work, you get off work a little bit early if you can, and then after work, you drive like an hour and 45 minutes to two hours uh, down to the Kenai Peninsula. You hop on mountain bikes and you bike in like two and a half to three miles, like up a hill and then down a steep hill. And then you put on your waders and you hike in uh, like three quarters of a mile or so over some relatively rugged terrain. And then you fish for sockeye. 
And then you try to wait until midnight uh, so that you can get a second limit because once it hits midnight, then, you know, you get your new limit. So you try to double limit and then you uh, flam or at least gut them, clean them up, put them in your pack and then do the reverse out. And the reverse out's really freaking hard because uh, you're going uphill most of the way and you got a lot of weight on your back. <clears throat> and we, I usually would bring my hunting pack for that. Anyway, we would do those all the time. Suicide runs all the time. It was something that we really, really loved to do. And then when we had kids, it was like, how the hell are we going to do suicide runs? I mean, we can't just like haul your little kids around in the middle of the night because you get home at like 2.30 in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, and then you wake up and you go back to work. That's why they're called suicide runs. And um, so when Kyler was born, we did take him in when he was two weeks old. Wes carried him on his chest on the bike and uh, carrier. and But I ended up, I mean, I fished some, but I ended up like, holding him on the tit, like in my waders and then like sometimes fishing and, um, and it was a very modified fishing trip and then biking, doing the biking portion two weeks after having a kid was interesting. Um, it was really difficult, but we haven't, we've hardly done suicide runs since then because, um, you got to get somebody to either watch your kids overnight or, you, you know, we just don't, feel right. Kids are really schedule dependent, as you know, (laughs) as you know, Caroline, right now. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, messing with their sleep schedule is really hard when they're brand new. That's one thing. But um, but as they get older, just like April said, your your habits as a parent, you have to adapt completely because things it's they're super easy to bring them to stuff when they're really tiny and then as they get bigger they get needier and louder and it gets a lot harder we brought um we brought sage on a moose hunt when she was 10 months old and it was a glorified camping trip for me because same thing like it was like okay we got to keep her quiet so it was basically like all right i'm putting my boob in her mouth to keep her quiet Um, or I'm going off and like walking around with her to keep her quiet. And, um, I myself didn't really get to do much hunting that trip. It was mostly just, you know, watching Sage and cause I had a, you know, I was the one making the milk and couldn't really, uh, give that to somebody else. So, um, so for a few years I didn't do any hunting at all. Wes was the one going out and going sheep hunting and moose hunting and caribou hunting and having opportunities while I was home. Um, and that was really hard for me mentally. Uh, and then I, then my parents flew up, they live out of state now. They flew up in 2018, I want to say, and watched the kids for five days or so while Wes and I went out and finally did a caribou hunt together. And so that was pretty nice, but hunting here, like it's not day hunting, you know, you've got to plan for a week, two weeks. And so trying to get childcare for that period of time is insanely hard when you don't have family here. And, uh, but more importantly to us, we really want our kids to be immersed in the outdoor lifestyle and culture to at least like understand and appreciate it, even if they don't end up loving it, which they better. But if they don't, I'll respect that maybe. Um, And So we took our kids on a nearly two-week moose hunt last year, which we talked about in 
which I've talked about in one of the other podcasts. I can't remember if it was Tuesday tips or if it was this one or both, but, um, but it was, it was hard. It was a lot harder when you're bringing kids with you. It is incredibly rewarding, but when you're going on a long hunt like that, you've got to plan for, um, making your kids comfortable. We, as, as women, especially as moms, especially we embrace the suck. Like we're used to feel like women in general are used to putting up with a lot more pain and hell. Um, and kids are not like that. You have to make sure that they're comfortable. Like I can endure being cold. Arguably my husband might disagree. I can endure with being cold or being miserable or, um, you know, other things. Whereas my kids, if they get cold or miserable, they're going to be loud and it's going to be, everybody's going to be miserable. And so making sure that you have adequate clothing, um, adequate activities and stuff for them to do so they aren't bored is really critical and it's expensive. Um, we'll get into clothing in a little bit, I'm sure Caroline, but kids clothes are hard to find and they're expensive. I talked about that on Tuesday tips, um, a few weeks ago. And, uh, so spending gets a lot higher when planning for hunts with kids. Um, and then as far as fishing goes, I brought, uh, you know, I have pictures of me with kids, with my kids on a, in a carrier with my waders on fishing on the Kenai, uh, when they're tiny, but like Courtney was saying, it really gives you a whole new perspective when you're fishing with kids because they're, they're so enamored by things that we just take for granted. Um, you know, when we go fishing, we usually call it grocery shopping because we're like going in, getting our meat and then getting out. And we're more there for the harvest, you know, aspect of it than for the experience, at least in our, at least, you know, the past five years or so. And with kids, they just get so, um, you know, engaged and intrigued by things that are just that, that we don't even think about anymore. And it kind of forces you to slow down and, uh, and look at things differently, but you also have to be more careful. You know, there's hooks. We went fishing. We, uh, our kids went fishing with hooks for the first time this year, which was kind of a gong show at times, but, um, but you just got to modify your behaviors and slow down and be more mindful of, of what you're doing, make sure your kids are comfortable. Um, but also as, as mothers, like, like both, uh, Caroline and April said, make sure that you're not losing yourself. I definitely lost myself for a few years and I know that there was more looking back on it. There was more that I could have done to be proactive and being like, this is something that's important to me and I want to make sure I'm going to do it. But people aren't going to reach out to me and be like, Hey, I know you just had, you've got a couple little kids and you probably have less opportunities. Why don't you go hunting with us? We have to be more proactive and be like, look, this is something that I want to do. I have to plan for it. And if you're my significant other, you're going to help me plan for it. I mean, it's, it's more work. I feel like we have less opportunity and we have to work harder to get those opportunities. Um, but if you're going to have kids, if you haven't already, or if you have little kids, like be mindful of that going into it and come up with plans and start having those conversations with your families or significant others um, or people who you would, who would, who you would be interested in going hunting or fishing or gathering or whatever it is with um, early on. Uh, because otherwise you can get stuck in this multi-year 
not doing anything while you watch your partner go have fun opportunities and you don't want to have resentment or regret. Well, and like you said too, not having, you know, you don't have family around. I don't have family around. I don't, you guys don't have family around, you know, it's, it's a lot easier when there's more, um, when you've got more hands on deck, you know, I know that, you know, whenever we were back home, you know, we could go drop the baby off like early in the morning. And, you know, even my uncle, he was like, <laughs> um, I mean, he's like, oh, I'll take the baby. You know, somebody, there was always help. There was always somebody around. And that's hard when you don't have family and you don't have, or even just even having friends who, who don't hunt or whatever, you know, it's, it's hard to ask a friend, you know, when you've got now, you know, again, my kids are, are bigger, it's easier to leave them by themselves or take them. But, you know, it's hard to ask a friend, like, hey, can I drop off my two year old at four in the morning? Mm-hmm. Like, do For you six mind? hours? And they're like, really? Like, why? Like, they, you know, if they don't get it, or it's not something that they're used to doing, or something they're familiar with, it's, it's hard. And it does, it falls on you. Well, and you talked about nursing too. That was something that kept me from going outdoors more than I thought it would. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I nursed spirit for 13 months and I will say the longer I nursed, the more comfortable I became with it, um, in public outdoors. And I do feel like I just need to throw it out there that I never, in an outdoor setting, whether that be hiking or a deer camp or whatever, I never had any like criticism or judgment from anybody that encountered me feeding my son outdoors. So I think I was scared of that for no reason. So if that's something that a new mom is, that's keeping a new mom from going out and doing things, um, of course, just do what you're comfortable with. But in my personal experience, I was worried about that for no reason. Like One of the things for nursing moms, if you're going to bring your child with you, which I, I mean, I would encourage you to do if you have the opportunity. Um, obviously, if you're sitting in a deer stand, that might be a little bit hard. But, but for nursing moms bringing their children out, something that's really critical for you to be mindful of is keeping your own calories up. Hunting and outdoors activities, as you all know, uh, burn way more calories than what you're used to. A lot of people lose weight while they're out hunting. And for a nursing mom, as you know, it's critical for you to keep your calories up so that you're able to produce food for your child. Um, making formula out in, out in, you know, middle of nowhere in Alaska is really challenging because, you know, having fresh water already is uh, having or finding or bringing fresh water, whatever that looks like is already you know, a very significant um, uh, factor to consider and a challenge. And so formula is not really a great option. It's possible, but it's not a great option, at least not out in Alaska wilderness. Um, So as a nursing mom, you've got to keep your calories up. You've got to make sure that you're still able to provide food for your little one. And it can be um, easy to overlook that. I mean, you're going to be eating a lot and drinking a lot of water, (laughs) but it's totally doable. And it can be very worth it to have that experience, even though even though I wasn't the one actually out shooting um, and harvesting the animal, 
when we took stage when she was 10 months, it was still really cool to be out there. It was a really neat experience. It was fun to have her at the campfire um, and and fun to have her there uh, while the harvest was happening and being a part of it. Um, as the kids got older this last year, like I said, making sure that they're engaged, that they that there are activities to keep them engaged and not bored is uh, is really important. But but it was just such a rewarding experience to have them there. Um, it bringing small children out on a a twelve to fourteen day moose hunt is hard. Usually you've got to have one of, if, if you're going as spouses, um, you've got to have one of the parents, you know, stay while the other one puts on a stock or, you know, you've got to kind of take turns when one person's with the kids, because our kids at, at the time they were four and five, were still pretty loud. They could be quiet at times, but asking a four and a five-year-old to be quiet for an extended period of time is damn near impossible. So I think I talked about this on, and earlier, so you know, one of so Wes would he had a torn ACL during our moose hunt last year, um, but he you know stayed back at camp with the kids and kept them engaged with like sawing wood um, or building a fort um, and just other little activities, gathering firewood or other things, picking blueberries. That was pretty cool. Um, while I would go out with our friends and uh, and do spotting or whatever. And so taking turns with parenting activities was hugely critical for us having a successful hunt. All right. That answered the original <laughs> question. <laughs> um, moving on. <laughs> the hate messages. Um, in the last women in the wild podcast, I talked about how as females, we are kind of subjected sometimes to some unsolicited opinions on the way that we do things outdoors. Um, we had one of our female followers ask if we had ever directly encountered that kind of, um, mansplaining or a man coming into your DMs telling you that you're doing something wrong um, or that you shouldn't be doing something. So have any of you experienced that firsthand? And how did you handle it? I wouldn't say like I've never not hate messages and not really even mansplaining and not not in the outdoors in any way. In the gym, yeah, you get all kinds of like randos coming up. It's like, come on, I'm lifting more than you. Go away. But, um, you know, I've had guys where there's, you know, they're like teasing jabs. But, you know, I'm used to, I'm used to being around men and guys. And so you just kind of let it roll off your back. But at the same time, there's, it like hits a certain nerve like where you're like, you know, this is why more women don't do this. Like you think that it's just like you're just teasing or you don't mean anything by it. But for what it where I usually just let things roll off my back. It's like, no, that kind of like stung for some reason. I'm not really sure why, but it's like that's why more women don't get involved or that's why they don't ask questions or that's why they're not, you know, 
they may want to get into the outdoors or in the gym, um, but they don't they don't want to ask questions because they're they're afraid that someone's going to poke fun at them right. or tease them or whatever, or they're afraid of they're afraid of asking a stupid question, you know and. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, there's no stupid questions. I definitely believe there's <laughs> stupid questions. But um, it's – so not really like hate messages or mansplaining, but little things like that that I don't think men realize. It's like, mm, was that productive? Was it helpful? Probably not. Now, maybe I could take that and be like, mm, Maybe there was something behind that. I should probably look into that. But um, it's, again, it's just, it's those kinds of things that they're not helpful and they're not productive. It's like, if you have something to teach me, then say, you know what, maybe you could try this. Or, you know, if I were going to help you, or do you mind if I give you some advice? Yeah. Do you mind if, you know, approaching it that way? As opposed to, let me tell you what you're doing wrong, or let me tell you why this looks stupid, or you know what I mean? Right. Um, so it's it's those kinds of little things that that I've had, and and I'll say, I'm like, really? Like, did you have to say that? And I'm like, oh, I was just kidding. It's like I don't really care, but that's not really helpful. Right. And you know, I asked um, I asked a friend of mine just this morning. He's an outfitter. And I was like, why do you think that you don't have more, why you don't have more female hunters? And he's like, well, because there's just not as many women into it. They're, they're just not, he goes, they'd rather be doing lady things. I was like, (laughs) I don't even know what that means. But I was like, oh, I was like, I don't know that that's true, actually. Um, Because I honestly think that it's not, I mean, there's obviously, way more men that are interested in the outdoors and stuff than there are women. But I don't necessarily think that that's why. I I mean, it could be, that could be part of it. But I do think that a lot of it is they're, they're intimidated and they're afraid of being, having someone mansplain or make fun of them or, you know, it's, it's hard. And if you're not used to being around men, and you're one of those women who's only comfortable in doing other things with, with other women. Like I'm not, I don't have sisters. I don't have, you know, that's, that's not an issue for me, but I can see how for other women that would be. Well, and there is a big difference too. in like, cause personally, when, when I am at deer camp and, and when I am with the guys and you kind of expect that, like, bullying that like teasing because they do that to each other too. I don't, I don't feel like that's necessarily like an attack on women. Mm -hmm. What I have more of the issue with is the, you know, the men directly telling you like, this isn't right or you don't do that or like, and personally I have never, let me say, I have never had somebody come like into my inbox and tell me like, you shot that arrow wrong or you're holding the gun wrong, you know, mm-hmm. but I am on the HLE like official page and there is a picture of me and Luke's cousin, Emily holding the hunt, lift, eat flag on top of Mount Fierce that I think. That's which a cool is, picture. 
Yeah, it's a it's a huge mountain. It's a 14er. Um okay. and we hiked up it and we took a picture with the flag. Cool picture. Yeah. Um, you would not believe the number of men that have commented on that picture and said they don't hunt, they don't lift, but they've never done any of that. That you know, just it's two girls holding a hunt lift feet flag on top of a mountain, and these 50-year-old fat dudes that haven't gotten up off their couch, you know, are commenting on it, saying that we don't hunt, we don't lift. Um, why are, you know, the big money posers is a joke between the hunt, lift, eat team. And that came from that picture as well. He, there was a guy that commented on it and said we were big money posers. Like, what about this picture makes you think that I have big money or that I'm a poser? <laughs> like, that I, yeah. Like, why would they think that? And it's not like... I mean, you're on top of a mountain. Why right. would they? Exactly. Like that's how have they figured all of that out from that one photo? And it's just because we're females and we're holding something that says hunt. So they immediately feel the need to say that we don't. Um, and I will say Luca's really, cause I'm, you know, I get fired up and I'm like, oh, I'm going to respond. I'm going to respond to this guy. And it, I usually type out this big long message and then I delete it all and I don't send it because I don't like confrontation, <laughs> um, but Luke is very good about like, like one liners that just kind of put them in their place. Like the one guy that was like, I bet they've never, never done any of that. Luke like responded and was like, you'd lose that bet, you know, like, but it's, so I have experienced it to some end, um, but it's usually just keyboard warriors that, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, I've experienced a little bit of it too with me kind of running HLE. Like I, I run all the day-to-day -day stuff. Um, and every now and then there will be a man that thinks that he can like boss me around with my company. <laughs> and, um, so every now and then I have to kind of send a message to Luke and be like, am I allowed to respond the way that I want to respond or would you prefer to handle it? Because there will just be these men that tell me I need to do something. And I'm like, I've never, I've never even seen your, you've never even placed an order with us. You've never sent us a message. You don't follow us on social media. Why should I do what you right. tell me to do? Like, who are you? Right. So, um, yes, I have experienced some of that. <laughs> what about you, Courtney? Um, I don't think I've, not that I can remember, I don't think I've had anyone like come into my messages or like outright send me any hate messages or, you know, said anything to me about it. I've been pretty lucky with that. Um, I have experienced, like April was talking about, um, kind of the intimidation factor that women have when they're either coming into hunting or going into the gym or anything like that that's initially kind of categorized as like a guy guy area um when i first started really lifting i was actually almost a f almost terrified to go over to like the free weight section to even try to bench press or anything because it's all these jacked guys over there and you just in the back of your head you think someone's gonna say something someone's gonna you know do something or i'm gonna do something stupid and get you know all these comments and trying to get over that takes a while. Um, I luckily at the gym I am at now, all the guys have been really, really nice about everything. And, you know, 
once you find your spot over there, it's a lot easier. Um, with the hunting aspect, you kind of get the same thing. And I think that's why um, a lot of women don't initially start off with it until they're either older or they don't do it by themselves. They're always with, like, I was always with my dad for the longest time or um, with a significant other or, you know, you, you kind of wait for someone to bring you into it rather than doing it yourself. Um, and, like, it still happens when... I think the funniest ones I get is when I go into a Bass Pro or a sporting goods store and I'm in like flip flops and a sh in shorts and a tank top. And these guys are just staring at me like she has no idea what she's doing. Um, I was looking for a travel case one day for my bow to take on an airplane. And I had done all my research and everything. And I go in and it's me and my mom and she's the old lady with a cane. I'm, you know, in my shorts and all this. And these two young guys walk up to us and I had done all my research and they're asking if they, if we, they can help us at all. And I'm like, honey, I know more than you do about this at this point. <laughs> and I just explained to them what I'm looking for and all this. And you can just kind of see it on their faces that they're just like, yeah, no, they're good. We're good. <laughs> so um, I think just trying to get over that idea that guys are going to innately make fun of us for trying to do anything takes a while but once it does once you do get over that it's a whole new world of everything and then you slowly can start building your own confidence in it whether it's in the gym or like you know in hunting in general um last year was actually my first year hunting by myself i've always had my dad with me and the idea of going out onto public land during rifle season where there's a bunch of other people, a bunch of guys I don't know anything about by myself was a whole new level of this is a bad idea. I'm fairly sure they told us not to do any of this when I was younger, but I'm going to do it anyways. And then this year it's not nearly as bad. It's like, okay, I can do this. I may only go 50, 500 yards from my truck, but I can do it, you know. And once you get to that point, you kind of start realizing a lot of the guys don't mean to be that intimidating. They don't mean to actually, you know, make you feel like you don't belong. Some of them, obviously, like Caroline said, they are just looking for to pick a fight with anybody. Um, but a lot of them just, I guess have never really had women out there to do any of this stuff. So they don't know how to not sound condescending or like they're mansplaining or anything like that. You know, they're used to talking to other guys and joking around with that. They don't think to dial that back or anything for like the first time ladies. <laughs> yeah. They don't, they don't think to dial back, dial that back for like the teenage girl that's, you know, trying so hard to be a, you know, go out and hunt by herself or anything like that. Or, you know, the girls that go into the gym wanting to do something and not really knowing what to do. And so I just, it's a weird like social thing to try and overcome that. But the more that we have podcasts like this, or the more we have guys talking about their experiences with, you know, women who come into the gyms or anything like that, I think it's slowly starting to become easier and, you know, if other women need, you know, an outlet to start 
doing any of these things, whether it's lifting or just going to the gym or just even if you just, if you just want to go out hiking, but you're not comfortable talking to the men in your life about it or, you know, anything like that. I think like HLE is one of the best ways to get, to, you know, get started with that. And that's one of the reasons I'm really happy to be a part of it is because it's kind of an outlet and an, like a, it's kind of opening the door for anyone who wants to do that, but doesn't know where to start without feeling that intimidation factor. So, and then we get to teach it, everyone else. It's like a community resource. Yeah. Yeah. HLE is becoming a community resource, I think, for women and just people who are interested in the outdoor uh, active lifestyle in general. I, you know, Caroline, on the last on the last episode, we talked about this almost at nauseum. So I'll be brief in my comments. I just want to add, like, echo a couple of things. What April said about men approaching women um, for offering advice, agree with. I agree with that hundred percent. And, and also what Courtney said about how usually men are well-intentioned when they want to provide advice to women. Um, for women, from a woman's perspective, when I've had men approach me to want to offer me advice on things, whether it was, you know, buying hunting stuff or how to do a particular lift in the gym, um, they don't ever uh, know my knowledge or experience. And so it can be easy for them to make an assumption and provide advice based on that assumption that I don't that I don't know what the hell I'm doing and then they don't know that maybe I'm doing something modified because of how screwed up my back is or whatever it is um but I would just echo what April said about like about don't be presumptuous but if you see that a woman is doing something where that could use improvement or that maybe it seems like she needs some help uh, try to try to think about your approach uh, before you before you engage and come at it in more of a hey you know would can I offer you a little bit of advice rather than just being going up to them and being like you should be doing it this way and because you don't really know what their experience or background is um, or what their particular you know situations are whether they have an injury that they're working around or whatever the heck it is and I will say that when it comes to keyboard warriors, I have a lot of experience, a lot of experience, both in lifting, hunting, fishing, but also in my professional career. I've been very much in the public eye in my professional career over the last, I don't know, seven years and have had lots of unsolicited opinions from keyboard warriors on what I'm doing. And the one thing that I have learned is that it is damn near impossible to change the mind or opinion of somebody who's giving their unsolicited opinion over the internet. And so don't waste your time. I never waste my time anymore with replying to comments that piss me off. I will vent to somebody about them and I will do exactly what you said, Caroline, where I will write up a long response and then I'll delete it um, and never post it. But you're not going to, it's, one out of a thousand people, you're going to change their mind by what you say in response uh, via text. And so just leave it. And, and if they say like, oh, you don't actually hunt or fish, well, man, then maybe the next thing that you post is a picture of you hunting. Um, and that's how you get back at them rather than, uh, or that's how, you know, you prove yourself or whatever the heck, uh, rather than actually providing a written response, because those are extremely ineffective. And I have learned that 
through lots of experience. Um, I will also echo what Courtney said about going into, I said I was going to be brief. I suck at being brief. <laughs> um, I'll echo what Courtney said about going into, into like a sportsman's store. Um, being in Alaska, the small business owners have gotten really good about recognizing that women, you know, women are badasses and women want to be involved and they want to include women. Um, they don't necessarily carry everything that we need because they don't have the capability to. And so I have gone into the Cabela's here. Um, I, you know, I, as a, in my career, I am a, an executive of an association. And so I wear, you know, suits. And so I've walked into a Cabela's planning on spending hundreds or thousands of dollars on a particular item and couldn't get anybody to come and talk to me. When the people at Cabela's would ask men if they needed help with stuff or if they could get them something. And it was something that was behind a case. I think I was looking at either a scope or a knife or something. And nobody would talk to me. And it infuriated me. And I will say that that is where, that is when I will say something in response. When when somebody has room to improve, if I can try to to make them aware in person and be like, but do it you know, civilly, professionally, be like, hey, look, I, I actually do spend a lot of money and time and have a lot of passion on the outdoors and hunting and, um, and outdoor recreating. And I actually plan to come in here and buy something expensive, but you not engaging with me does not make me want to purchase anything from the store. I would rather go online and purchase something online than deal with the, the lack of customer service from you and I know that you were um, that you were stereotyping me because there were three other men who walked up here after I was standing here this whole time and you engaged with them and did not engage with me. And I always try to support local stores or small businesses as much as I can anyway. And again, it's really just because of, um, you know, a local shop wouldn't didn't carry the particular item that I was looking for, which is why I went into Cabela's. But um, but I would say. Uh, owners of small shops or people who work in big stores um, as men, like don't just don't just make an assumption that because a woman is walking in with her grandma with a cane or walking in with a suit that she isn't an active outdoors person um, or wants to get into it, you know, engage with them just like you would engage with any other customer. Don't stereotype. And um, and then women engage more with your small business owners because usually their customer service is going to be better. And I'm, you know, always going to put in a plug for supporting small business here in Alaska, go to Barney's. <laughs> well, and then once you go to the small businesses enough, you start building that rapport with them. Like my local bow shop. I absolutely love those guys there. And I think it's a family owned business and the lady that's always there actually owns the place. And it's like, now I've gotten so used to going in there that, you know, they don't give me any looks. I don't get any questions about, you know, if I know what I'm doing or anything like that. It's once you start going to those smaller businesses, A, you're just supporting really good, you know, people generally. But once you start building that rapport with them, or even if you go to a bigger store and you start building that rapport with them, they'll generally start taking you more seriously. And that's, again, another bridge into bringing new people in into it, you know, once they start you know, seeing their regular female customers come in all the time, know what we're doing, they're more likely to look at the newer female customers and be like, okay, maybe, you know, 
maybe we should give her a chance too. So. Yeah. Well, unfortunately we are out of time and we still have more questions. So it looks like whether we want it to be or not, this is now a series. Um, <laughs> uh, if you send in a question and we did not get to it, we will get to it next time. Um, sorry. Uh, we all like to talk and we're already past our hour mark. And I feel like Carter's going to have to edit out some of this for us. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think this is kind of a good stopping point. Um, hey, Caroline. Yeah. Before we, before we move on, can I, you know, the last time... Our, our first episode, I had thrown in the little, hey, maybe we should do a Women of HLE Instagram page. Yes. I still would like to do something like that, and I would be willing to manage it. It probably wouldn't post as much as the regular HLE page. Um, but but I'd, you know, if I'd be willing to manage it or co-manage it with you or whatever the heck that looks like. Um, but I would like to get ideas for what it, maybe what the name of the what the handle should be women like in the we, wild you want it to be women in the wild yeah. <laughs> you don't want to have hle in there at all else. Hmm. okay well if we did yeah what if we did like hle women in the wild like yeah. love it love it done, done. okay yeah we're doing it. i'll do it right now we're doing it you can edit this out okay well then fine then let's plug let's plug hle women in the wild Go follow us on Instagram. Let me, <laughs> Once we let get me make sure that name is available. <laughs> I'm sure HLE Women in the Wild will be available. How about you make sure that you're following all of us on Instagram and we will post it when it becomes available. So go around, give everybody your Instagram names. I don't know. That's always me. Mine is Caroline, C-A-R-L-I-N-E. L Cox. Um, like I said, you can find me on Hunlook Beat Official. Um, I'm also married to Luke. So if you follow him and you can probably find me on his as well. Um, Sarah, what's yours? Mine is hunt.fish.lift.alaska. On Instagram. Uh, mine is C, just the letter C. So C dot Stark, which is S T A R K dot Wander. In April, I am April underscore Sue eighteen. All right, and if you don't already follow Hunt Lift Eat official, the Hunt Lift Eat podcast, um, Fish Lift Eat now has an Instagram as well. So we're just, uh, we're taking over. We're trying to beat that algorithm. Um, and the <laughs> women in the wild <laughs> will be coming soon. All right. Um, thanks again for tagging along through this incredibly awkward podcast. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.